Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined here by Kristen, Juan and Loz uh, to discuss the topic of DevOps, but at organizational level. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, a Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room uh, with some introductions. Juan, we're going to start with you first. Are you muted there, Juan? Yes, sorry. Thank you. Uh, my name is Juan, uh, as I was saying. Uh, so I'm Spanish, uh, but uh, I've been living in Denmark for a while. Um, right now, I'm working at the Banking Circle, uh, which is... Uh, it's a bank mostly focused on cross-border, cross-currency payments. And there I'm working as a tech aid on the uh, DevOps platform engineering team, where we are trying to to do DevOps in, in a specific self-service way. Uh, I'm sure we will have time to discuss what we do and, and how we can do these things uh, throughout the postcode. I'm looking forward to it. Love that. Apologies for the, for the muting there. That's something on my, <laughs> on my front. Um, Kristen, we'll come to you next. Yeah, thanks. So, uh, my name is Christian Gunnars. I come from Solidify. Uh, at Solidify, we focus on DevOps and, and we usually, when we model about making software development easy business, um, and some people take that's a joke, but it's, uh, it's actually what we do. So, we go into organizations, we help them uh, either get started with DevOps or moving further into the DevOps story. Um, we're focused on the Microsoft stack, so we focus heavily on, on tools like Azure DevOps, GitHub. Um, I myself work uh, mostly as principal engineer, so sitting with either teams or a group of teams, or even management where they're trying to figure out, well, how do we get this all to fit together uh, in a sort of cohesive way, and what are the next logical steps for us? Fantastic. Uh Last but not least, Lars, over to you. Yeah, that's me. Um, yeah, um, I've mostly been working from uh, in startups and kind of being the dude that fixes all the hard problems, also usually the ops. So I have a lot of focus on making sure I don't have to do ops or can do development. Um, I have a startup right now with a partner called Hey Naven. Um, and while building that, I'm also doing some consultancy uh, on DevOps for, for different companies. Fantastic. Uh, and that rounds off our panel today. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, now we've established a context around each of you, let's move into the topic in focus. You all have a question or a couple of questions around DevOps at an organizational level. And as usual, we'll work away around the room for you guys to give some context to those questions and then have the opportunity to add that fantastic value. Now, we all agreed um, the first question would be, what is DevOps? And I believe we're going to come around the room first to, to answer that. So, Kristen. Plain and simple. Yeah. What is it to you? Yeah, I, I I like the question, and I sat for a bit and thought about it, and I wanted to kind of reduce it into a single word. And a single word, when I think about DevOps and and having the history that we have had with DevOps, is collaboration, and that kind of was the focal point around it. That 
the whole sentiment of it was always trying to establish a culture that would get different teams or different people within teams to talk together and work towards a solution together. And that way, then you can start to kind of break these silos down a little bit. Um, because once you have the collaboration thing covered, the rest does become a little bit easier or relatively easy at least. Um, sometimes we, we say, well, that was just only automation. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think uh, I think automation is probably the, the architect or the byproduct of the collaboration. So that would be the, the kind of what comes out of it. It's more of a result than anything else. Um, and, and I think that's a, a very good way of thinking about it. We also see that we've been tracking collaboration. Uh, Atlassian had, has been doing the DevOps trends for quite a few years now. We're in the track collaboration um, where, where teams are reporting that they have an improvement. Any collaborations are I'm just moving my own here. Uh, <clears throat> and in 2020, that was uh, the, the organization that had implemented DevOps reported that they had about 38% uh, improvement in collaboration between development and operation teams. And we necessarily wouldn't say that that would be a, a substantial amount, but comparing it from five years ago or 10 years ago, or, or even when I was coming into the industry around guarding the zeros, where there was just a gigantic gap between people doing development and operations that barely spoke to each other, uh, that just threw things apart. So I, I think collaboration is, is one of the key parts here. We should, however, we can't really underestimate how hard it can be to facilitate good collaboration practices with your organization. And that's where the organization comes in, and that's the conversations that I'm doing on a daily basis is that what do we as organizational leaders need to do? And that is primarily answering the question, well, why do we want to do this at all? Why are we doing DevOps at all? And when you answer that question, well, then you can inspire for collaboration. And then you can set up the necessary processes and, and et cetera. Uh, and we'll get back to that probably later in the in the questions that we have. So I'm going to stop here. I usually wrap a long time. I do trainings for three, four hours. So I'm going to stop and, and give you guys a chance to answer. I'm sorry. Well, Lowe's, what does it mean to you, DevOps? Um, well, I'm I'm a bit uh, traditional about it. I'm kind of like for the free ways from the Phoenix project, um, where you have the feedback and you have the um, yeah, you definitely have the learning um, and the flow. Um, but I I agree a lot with Kristen that the whole part of why you do DevOps is definitely to get the team uh, working, collaborating, and if you do that and you also have learning, then you get all the nice benefits. The rest is just the outcome. Yeah, love that. And Juan, over to you. Yeah. Um, when I answer this question, I, I normally quote the definition from Donovan Brown, uh, which is also the one that Microsoft tends to use, right? And that definition says that DevOps is the union of people, process, and products, sometimes people, process, and technology, to enable uh, the continuous delivery of value to our end users, right? And I think that what I like about definition is, first of all, it pinpoints three dimensions of doing DevOps. And also, to me, I very much understand them in order of importance, right? So the first of those, so really people, is obviously culture, is collaboration, as Christine uh, was was mentioning, right? Because indeed, if that is not working, then it doesn't matter that we build any process around it, that there is automation, that there is anything else. And the other way around, if there is a good understanding between the people that are working, everything else will follow, right? 
Then would come the process. What are we doing? How are we doing this? What practices are in place? Are we doing GitOps? Are we doing this type of branching strategy? Are we doing this type of coding? And then lately, the specific tool that we use for that, that being Kubernetes or that being infrastructure as code or whatever it is, right? And what I also like about that definition is that it keeps the the goal very clear. So to me, it also answers that why, um, which is this idea of like continuous delivery of value to our end users, right? Obviously, then defining value or what that means for each company is tricky in itself, but at least there's this idea of like, okay, continuously providing something, right? Continuously getting something out there by the, uh, the union of people, process, and then technologies. That's my understanding of DevOps. Fantastic. Three great answers there. And uh, I know we've got a number of questions that are going to touch on many of the points you've just made there as well. Now, moving on to the next question, we've got Christian. Christian's first, which is where does leadership fit into DevOps and where is it seen from an organizational level perspective? Christian, before we hand over to Juan and, and Loz, can you give us a bit of context for this one, please? Yeah. So if, if, if we go a little bit back in time when we were starting one of this, this was a bottom-up approach. And what happened with that in some organizations, and I, I won't say many, I, I say some organizations, what happened in those instances is that you began to create DevOps teams within organizations that were totally siloed from each other. Uh, and, and, and that's just a fact that would happen. So what we did is that we went in there and said, well, okay, now your DevOps team, your developers and operators, and we'll get some of my team to coach you on what you're supposed to do. And then you went to the next team and you, and you kind of rolled over uh, laterally within the organization. So it kind of came a little bit in, in, an, in the sense that it did, doesn't make sense to work. It, it was kind of an app dependent to what we're trying to do in the initial beginning. So what I'm trying to help my clients understand is where the management fits into the whole story. And, and I would love to get some different input on that because this is something that we uh, that we do quite often talk about these. Now you will attempt. Now I'm muted. Here we go. Lars, I believe we're coming over to you uh, for the first part of this question. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I love the whole approach where you have something and then you just copy it along mindlessly and then you expect stuff to be great. It's kind of like with microservices. Just put something in small stuff and everything is nice instead of talking about the boundaries. And that's also where I really see that, that leadership is extremely important, that, that you can define these groups that actually have an area that they can be responsible for and also proud of doing. Um, and then also empower them and make first of all, make sure that they experiment, make sure that when they fail, of course, have some proper safeguards, but make sure that when they fail, that that it's okay. It's, it's part of the learning process. Um, but again, I think it's really important to go back to having that, getting that boundary um, so they know they have their own area that, that they can own and improve and, and be proud of. Um, and that's also usually how, how, get, how you get people engaged is, is when they have like, say, hey, this is my thing. This is working out because we have done some awesome, awesome work. Yes, so, so that's that's actually it's more like, like like creating the shell around it, um, and then giving them the the support they need, but also the room to to be as independent as possible. But the support is is really really important, so they don't just go out and yeah, and that they can feel safe around what they're doing. And some teams need more support than others. Juan, what's your perspective on this one? Yeah, I, I agree with the, the fact that basically leadership would be setting up the teams, the departments, the groups of people that are working together, right? Um, and I guess that we have all heard about Conway's law at this point, right? This idea that 
the outcome of uh, what a company is doing reflects the, the shape of the different groups that are building the different parts of that product. So obviously having a DevOps team that is independent from everything else that is then not a part of the flow of the process that is building some software ends up being pointless, right? Or having multiple replicas of that one. Um, so that very much depends on management, right? How do you want to structure your, your DevOps people um, or your people that do some DevOps? We could also debate around whether it makes sense that some people do DevOps exclusively um, and how to structure all of that, right? So so to me, the, the organizational aspect kind of comes from top down because that's a decision to be taken at a management level. Um, then there's obviously something about creating this fail-safe, this uh, experimentation-friendly culture, right? Uh, I very much agree that that's, that's something that needs to be in place. That also comes with some technical part so that it can be ensured that things can be broken and then somehow the service can still be delivered. Um, but but the cultural aspect of that also comes from top down, right? Because when uh, your leader, your manager is not blaming you for something that you have broken, but rather say these things happen all the time, it's all right. That then ripples down, right? Um, so, so there's also that part of, of building a culture. Um, from top down, um, and then then I think that there's just something about listening, because indeed in uh, there are, there's a part also of the cultural aspect that is going to come from the moral map, just because the individual contributors tend to be more up to date with what is happening in the company because they are the ones struggling with the code from day to day or with their colleagues, not only with the, the technical part of it, right? And also in many cases they are the ones that are more eager to learn the specific technical things that are being discussed in, in some other forums and stuff like that, right? So there's a part of it which has to do with like listening what people are talking about, what people want to do, and then obviously executing on that or deciding what to prioritize out of everything that that uh, that people is proposing. Fantastic. Christian, I want to give you the opportunity to perhaps answer your own question as well. Yeah. Um great answers, guys. Uh I pointed to Jot down a few things that I'm gonna add into my some of my slides here. So, I mean, obviously, leadership plays a tremendous role in all um, when when you start to implementing doubt practices within your organization. So, the organizational leaders are primarily um, responsible for creating the clear vision. So, what is it that we're supposed to get out of this? They they are essentially the people that should sit down and say, "Why are we doing this?" And, and and when they have answered that, then they need to answer the question, well, how are we going to do it? Um, they are also responsible for quite a few necessary resources, uh, funding being one of them, uh, taking, uh, taking, taking into consideration what technology stack are we using, uh, are we, uh, do we have a vendor locking, are there specific tools that we're supposed to use? Because one of the things that I always worry about is that if the organization is not, or the leaders are not making a decision on regarding technology stack, you're going to end up with a whole lot of massive and end up with 300 different tools because everyone just wants to, I want to use AWS and I want to use Azure and I want to use uh, Google Cloud. And then you have all the different aspects. I want to use GitHub, Azure DevOps, but someone wants to use Jira, Bitbucket. And while that is perfectly fine, there needs to be consistency within organizations on how you do this. Otherwise, you can't really replicate for the best. And even though Lau said earlier that, like with microservices, you create a recipe and then you just move left uh, or move right, uh, 
But in, in some instances, you should do that. And, and you should do that regarding the technologies that you have. Um, organizations play also a key part in the education part of it. They should be in the pillars of making sure that there is uh, decent opportunities to educate and it should be available for everyone. So that is, is sort of um, the the uh, the key areas here. Uh, I won't go to, into. Yeah, let's let's just stop there for now. So sounds good. Just to summarize, they plan. They should communicate. They should select the appropriate tools, and they should be the educators in this instance. And of course, they should be standing on their soapbox and inspiring the DevOps team uh, to continue. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that, Kristen. Kristen, Juan, and Loz, and Kristen, fantastic answers. Let's move on to the next one. Juan, it's your question next, and you're posing to everyone uh, how much of DevOps should happen in different development teams, and how much is in the central DevOps team. I'll come to you for a bit of context on this one, <clears throat> Yeah, so I think this question is building a bit on the organizational aspects we were discussing just now, right? Uh, normally, this changes a bit on organizations, but there tends to be a team that is the DevOps team, or sometimes it's the operations team, or, or whatever, <clears throat> platform team these days, or whatever it is called, right? And the thing is that this team is doing some stuff, and then there's a part of the responsibility or a part of the DevOps task to be done that is pushed to each of the different development teams, right? That being pipelines, that being infrastructures. And then sometimes one team is doing some things, then the central team is doing some other things. The cooperation between them can also uh, change quite a bit. So basically, the, what the question is aiming to answer is like, what is the ideal setup in this sense, right? Like, how much should be done centrally and therefore always in the same way? And therefore, it is the responsibility of those people also, <coughs> kind of central team, doing it for everybody else. And how much can that scale and all of that? And then how much you're happening, yeah, in a decentralized way, so to say. Great question. One, Lars, I think we're coming to you first with this one. Yeah. Um, well, that's a great, great question. Um, and the great answer is always it depends. Um, I, I think the, you talked about Conway before, and I think it's it's really important to to have that in mind to figure out. I mean, how can you separate stuff? How can you you you, you create teams that has their own area? Uh, kind of like I said before. Um, because, yeah, and, and then try to make these sandboxes. Of course, some would have to be more dominating or maybe some would have to decide some some really big stuff um, or maybe some some, the, um, some more experienced teams, but it's still really important that they can enable the other teams to, to kind of build on what they're doing. Um, but basically, I'm like, the more you can get the teams to, to mingle and it still works, don't force it. Make sure it, it, it comes kind of natural. Um I would I would say that that's that's kind of the balance you need to figure out of, of how much you can do. Uh, in, in small company, you're sitting next to each other, um, and in, usually when in startups, you you are both dev and ops at least some people, so you don't really have that distinction. Um, but again, it, it's totally about making these these boundaries that that you can, can yeah that people can can have their own own world in. Fantastic, uh, Kristen. What from your perspective? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna disagree with Lars on that bit. I, I I don't think it depends, to be honest. Um, if if we take a mid-sized organization, they're going to need to have some governance around the DevOps things that you're doing. I understand what you mean regarding the startups, and, and I'm, not really, I'm not really considering startups in this case because there you have the 
CEO building and deploying at the same time. And that's kind of a different mindset that you have regarding that. I'm, I'm more thinking about when you have progressed and you're a couple of years old and you have, let's say, uh, let's say you have 300 developers and then you have the whole organizational structure around this, then it, it really does make a difference how you do these things. And usually what I point out is that it can be a great benefit for organization to have a, what I usually just refer to as a proxy team. And the proxy team would then be responsible for centralizing the automation for the DevOps tasks. So that team is the fundamental team that writes reusable workflows. It makes sure that you govern things correctly. It makes sure that you have all security implementations within your workflows and makes those um, easily implemented for development teams. So the worst thing we want to do in these scenarios is that we get a new development team, you have a fantastic idea for a new product, you get going with development and you're starting to invent the wheel again, or you're starting to create the same workflows again and thinking about the same aspect that have been done 30 different times. So by having these central DevOps teams that are creating the workflows, thinking about security, have implemented uh, static code analysis, have implemented GitHub uh, Advanced Security or some other white source or whatever it be, and have placed those in a central location and make you sure that when you start a new project, it will take you zero minutes to have those implemented from the get-go because what we see today is that uh, the most vulnerable parts of our systems are actually the the workforce, the, uh, the dependencies, the uh, software lifecycle. Life so by doing that correctly in a central team, then you can reduce that. And that also comes into governance of developers, external collaborators. Um, so that is what should be in the central team. And if we turn the table around a little, so what should be in the development team? Well, the development team should be responsible for automating all aspects of the tools, being a testing, uh, I don't care whether it's hosted on-premise, on cloud, in your mother's basement. It doesn't really matter. They are responsible for writing everything, uh, unit testing, functional testing. They should be laser to focus on shifting lab, utilizing the tools that we have, uh, SonarCube, WhiteSource, uh, all of these tools that they can do and making sure that they do that correctly. They are also the dev team themselves is also the team that should be focused on utilizing the metrics that we can get out of these systems. They should be collective metrics, not the centralized teams. Um, so you, utilizing those metrics to make sure that they're progressing in the work and not going backwards. So there are a few things that, that I would say, and I'm not going to count all of them because that would take us uh, literally the whole time, but uh, you, need to, you need to have some sort of split. And I'm not saying that this there should be a Chinese word. The centralized DevOps team should also be one of the pillars that you use for inner sourcing and collaboration. And every member of a dev team should have the opportunity to check out the central workflows, make adjustments, and do a pull request, and therefore collaboratively to the the whole um, automation part that we have. There. Thank you, Kristen. Lars, before we go to one, have you got anything to, to say? No, I think I might be a bit more decentralized in, in my mind, but uh, it's not like I'm totally against that you have some some centralized uh, some teams. And it makes sense if you do something over and over again, then of course have a team 
I mean, the whole point is still you can make like a boundary, say, we can enable you to do this really easily. We can help you with these things. You can come knock on, on our door. Um, so, of course, it can make sense. But that's also really easy when you say it, it depends. Yeah, very true. Juan, back to you, mate. Um, have you got an answer to your own question to kind of build on these great answers? Yes. Um, I think that there's um, two factions uh, that we could assign to this central team. And depending on which of the two we are talking, then my answer is one or not one, right? One of them is this idea of being the platform team, where what we are doing is just building boxes, automation, infrastructure as code modules, templates, ready-to-go projects where you just fill your details and then you're good to go. That can perfectly and should be centralized because then everybody can reuse the same standard packages. Then whoever needs to review that from a compliance perspective, from a governance perspective, from a security perspective, can review the source of truth, and then everybody else can benefit from that. I think it gets a bit tricky when that process is not super clean, which is not always the case, right? And then these building blocks are almost uh, a self-service, right? Or they almost work out of the box, but they still require some onboarding. They still require someone from the team to just help a bit the developer team in the beginning. And sometimes it's not just a bit, but rather it's a bit more, right? Because that ends up putting some load on this central team. And then that doesn't scale very well. So I think that first there needs to be this concern of like really making something that is self-service, that is a product in itself, that then other people can consume as such. And then as long as we are doing that, I think that as much as possible, everything should be centralized and everything should go through the central team. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that if there is uh, a development team that is particularly skilled at some areas of, of cloud or some areas of uh, whatever it could be, right, and wants to do things their own way, I do think that they should have the possibility of doing that. I think that the preferred way to go should be the golden path. And I think that whatever the central team or the platform team is building should be seducing the developers in the way that they would rather use that, rather than come up with their own thing, because that gives you everything you need out of the box. But I don't think that it should be uh, hardly enforced so that everybody needs to use the same box. I think that obviously if there is something that can absolutely not be done due to a legal or due to a security concern, then absolutely, that should be, you can have some policies in place, for example, so that something would never happen irrespective of what your process is. And that should be enforced. But the path, the process, the different building blocks or tools that you would use, obviously, there should be one preferred way, which is also the one that the central team can support, because again, you can be supporting different custom implementations. But if there is someone that for whatever reason wants to go away from that and wants to do their own thing, I think that that needs to be uh, allowed. I would expect most people to prefer the standard approach because it also makes their life easier, but I would still leave the desert open for that. I think that this approach should be the preferred way. It should be the main option. It should make life easier. But if it is not doing that for a specific team, for whatever reason, I do think that they should be allowed to build in their own way. And what, what, when, when you say that to, to be able to drift a little bit from the standard facts, um, are, are you meaning in the sense that their solution is so much far from what is deemed central or average within the company that it requires different practices or, uh, or is it more or less that the team just is, is pushing that much back that you give in and say, well, then go just do whatever you want. No, I think it's. Is this whole idea of like I, I agree with the point that you were making before about like 
if you build it, you own it. You are the one tracking your metrics. You are the one on call when your system breaks. You you are responsible for what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And therefore, the central team, the DevOps team or the platform team or whatever you call it, is making your life easier. Mm-hmm. And ideally, if you just want to drift a bit, if you just want to uh, introduce some other step in the process that no one else has thought of, there can be that collaboration in place. And maybe what can happen is that that building block or that process can be made a bit bigger so that it also caters for your use case. And as long as that can happen, that's, again, the preferred way because then you're also building something that some other people might be able to use. Hmm. But if the tool that we have doesn't really work for you, we had a case with this with sort of a feeder flag solution that we were building. And basically what happened was that we were catering for several use cases from different teams, right? And we built something that was rather powerful, rather flexible, but then one team had a much simpler solution that they were able to completely own, that they were able to take care of themselves. So we said, go ahead with that, right? That is, in this case, it's only working with them because it's very tailored to their specific way of using it. Maybe further on, it can also be extended so that other teams can use it, right? But it's it's this idea of like, if you can, if you wish to use this, the central uh, platform, go ahead. And that should be the preferred way. And it should be, it should make your life easier and therefore you should want to use it. If it doesn't work for you, first of all, let's see why it doesn't work because maybe there's also a problem if everything that is being built in the central team is not used. Again, we are not doing DevOps directly, right? Mm. But if there is a specific use case where you have a very valid reason to do things in a different way, why not, right? As long as, again, you're compliant with the general framework that should never be broken, but that's a different story. I think to make that work, and I'm really, really, really like it, the whole idea of making stuff the pit stuff you want people to do make it easier and stuff you don't want people to do make it harder. Uh, but the really important thing is is that people have this sense of, of of the flow. So they know that if they want to use some service that that they need to take care of on their own, is they actually be able to deliver a product better or faster or whatever. Um, and if they feel that, then go ahead and maybe they figure out this was com- completely wrong, but then you also shut down the com- the whole discussion about using it. Um so so that's kind of where my yeah as long as they know that they need to deliver and they they feel confident that this is what is, is would improve the quality and, and the product, um, then I'm also in for, for like, hey, test it out, figure it out, figure out if it's a bad idea, then it's it's a learning thing. Uh, but it is really important that they have, have this idea of flow so they don't just go say, hey, fuck Asia, I want to use ABS because I don't know, I always use that. Um, and then you meet, then they need to meet all the legal requirements and they're like, yeah, hey, we're just going to go with whatever we used. But yeah, you have cases like, I don't know, with AI, you have so many different services out here right now um, that it might not be obvious that your platform or your preferred platform actually supports whatever you want to do. Or maybe you actually need to go into hosting something on your own um, with all the problems that are in there, but you just need to be aware of it and make sure it, it, they need to be aware of that and make sure that it, it's its whole benefit. Yeah. Love that, guys. Sorry, Juan, you got something to add, mate? You sure? Not a problem. Well, thank you for the great question, Juan. Um, I'm sure we'll be back with you in just a second. Lars, we're coming on to your question next, or, or question two questions tied into one. I thought they, they, they mixed quite nicely. And you're looking at how do you get a dev team to embrace DevOps? And then how do you get developers to care about the ops stack? Um, can you give us a bit of context on that? Yeah, it's um, one of the challenges I usually have with, with college. That's just on mindset that you're a developer and you just develop stuff and you have your own IDE and as long as stuff works in there, then, then that's what you do. You don't look at the whole product. You don't really give a shit about the, ah, that's a bit hard, hard to set, but you don't care or you don't know much about the stack. 
and you don't really feel that that's that's your job, so you don't look into it, and and then you get really siloed and you get really narrow minded, and when something breaks, you can you can even just be down on your framework, maybe. Um, then you kind of like you, you're just stuck and you're dependent on other people, and this is where I think DevOps is really cool that when you empower people. Um, but but I find it quite hard to actually get get people to understand that that you're you're part of a bigger picture. This is a team effort to to get something done. Um, so yeah, I would love to hear your take on on how to get people on board on the on this. Kristen, we're coming to you first for this one. Yeah, um, yeah. I I mean, from from my average point of view, where we're taking a medium value, um, then I don't think it's necessarily that. I, I think most teams want DevOps. Uh, we've been doing this for about five, six years now. It was called DevOps five, six years ago. We've been doing this a lot longer though. Um, and, and most teams want to have their vacuums automated. They want their pipelines to be set up. They want the, um, the increased flexibility that comes with that and of course the more speed that comes to that um with that being said that there will always be pushback from either individual dev developers or teams or whatnot and one way to get the dev teams on board is to showcase the, the benefit of DevOps principles uh for example help them to automate the platforms and pipelines and and show them well when you do it like that it's going to increase the time that you have to actually focus on delivering the solutions that you want. And they're going to get measured on, on delivering features. They're going to get, get measured much more on, on if they are delivering features than if they're implementing DevOps. And, and I can tell you that hands down. Every product owner uh, and stakeholder will come back and say, we love DevOps, but you will have a deadline here. Make sure you don't miss that. And if you can showcase that correctly, I think that will go a long way, showing them how to scaffold, showing them how to use templates, um, not only in terms of, of getting quicker to start, but also uh, to be secure because no one wants to be the team that got hacked. And if you're in any sort of large organization, you're going to compete internally, not necessarily knowingly, but you're going to do it subconsciously that that you can compete with different teams and say, well, we're definitely not the team that's going to get uh, security vulnerabilities out. Um, when it comes to getting developers to care about the ops stack, that can sometimes be a little bit trickier, especially in large organizations. And if we have teams, as, as one is suggesting, where we have a platform team, that sometimes developer comes and say, well, I just do a comment in a Terraform file here or in a readme, and then there's some automation that the the uh, the the uh, IT or, or whatever team we call it is responsible for. So I'm hands off here. But there are a way. There are a few ways of, of doing that. Um, we 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 of course need to train the developers there a little bit more in terms of uh, to in in terms of of doing that. And we should train them in the sense that we should get them to start think about, well, how can we automate our op task? How do we create our infrastructure's code lines and how do we maintain them? And get them to understand, get a, get a little bit of thought regarding what does it require to host my solutions? Because it's their solution. They know it are better than any uh, platform engineer. The platform engineer understands what it takes to actually run that payload, but the you control your solution and you should be mindful of what 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 it takes to actually 
uh, host that solution. So, so get them to automate those tasks, and and then they, by association, need to care about the ops part. The other thing is that make it also a little bit more uh, visible for them, because usually teams will have some sort of metrics on the uh, metrics dashboard, have an ops dashboard as well. Show them that how the application is performing and why, making sure that metrics are processed along with other metrics that we use in DevOps. Um, and also just provide feedback to the developers. Make sure that they are, um, they they understand what's going on in the platform teams, that they understand what's going on with infrastructure. And when you do that, and, and even if you, uh, more importantly, if you can get them to collaborate in those, with automated in their environments, I think it it will help you to uh, get them to to take a little more part of that. But sometimes you just have teams that that just push and say we don't want to, um, and then it's just a question of time. Wear them out. Uh, continually showcase other teams that are doing better because they opted into caring about jobs. It's a great answer, Juan. Over to you. If you've got anything to add. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree basically with, with everything Christine has said. Um, I, I think that there's an important point there where like, yes, the teams want to do DevOps. The team actually want to know about what happens inside the platform. The teams want to know also about infrastructure, or at least many of the of the developers do in my experience. But we also need to be realistic about the cognitive load of that, right? Because the expectation is now that, okay, they need to do development and testing and different types of deployments and then the underlying infrastructure and whatever else, right? So there's there's something important then about providing the right abstractions so that it is possible to actually cognitively load all of that, right? And then say, yeah, okay, I understand what is happening with this deployment or what is happening with this infrastructure, or I am the one that gets the alert from the monitoring system when something is down. And I understand that because I have also maybe built an alert even, but I have been able to do all of that because many or most of the complexity that is inside all of those areas has been abstracted away by some sort of abstraction, some sort of building block that I has been provided by a different team, right? And as long as that is uh, that is done, I agree that most teams would actually want to uh, to get on board and to and to do as much tables as they also can uh, themselves, because it also makes their life easier. It's again this idea, right? Like if they see what it's in it for them, if they see the team next to them being like, oh, now now they are doing faster deployments because they don't have to write this Jira ticket because it's just automated in this way. I also want that. Oh, now we're doing that. This is great, right? Now we can do more deployments per day or whatever it is. Obviously, if, if they see the benefit for them, they are going to want it, right? So so there's there's a point there about like <clears throat> making it clear and, and being good at communicating that um, and also building the right product so that it has that. There's also the other area, which is the, uh, the reverse of this, right? So it's this philosophy of like, you build it, you own it. And therefore, if they are the ones feeling the pressure where things don't go right, then they have that pressure to work in a better way, to onboard best practices, to do DevOps in a way, because that again is making their life easier because now they have that responsibility that they didn't have before if that was falling on, on the operations teams, right? Um, so yeah, once again, it's about making their life easier. Fantastic. And full circle, I was back to you if you got anything to add. Um, not much. I completely agree. Make it visible and showcase what works. And then also the whole, uh, you, you build it, you run it. 
um, like you can kind of force people if something goes wrong instead of they say, hey, it's the other dude, then just put them together and say, come back when it's finished. But then, of course, also remember to, to, to really give them the, the praise for making it work, especially together. And when once you get the ball rolling, it usually starts to roll really fast. Excellent. And that's where it's really fun. <laughs> Fantastic. Great question there. Lots of questions, should I say. Uh, Kristen, we're coming back round full circle now to uh, another one of your questions. The next one that you've got is, is how can an organization ensure that DevOps implementation is sustainable in the long term? What's the context around this question? I think it's stated in the question, right? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, this is this is topic that uh, we talk about quite internally and and within Solidify and and often turns into a well let's say lively discussions between colleagues. Uh, so this is something that we think about. Well, how do you, from a organizational standpoint, you can measure these things quite easily within the teams? Is it sustainable or not for the team? Are they progressing or not progressing? How do you how do you do that on the um, organizational level and what are the key areas that the organization needs to do in terms of making sure that it is sustainable long-term because we need to think long-term and not just the next uh, quarter or and and this also comes a little bit outside of not outside of that but it doesn't matter what we call it in three years or what we called it in the 90s the principles will be the same so what does it take to have this sort of culture and make it thrive within an organization from the time you reach 100 employees to the time you reach 10 Good question. Juan, I believe we're coming to you for the first one. Yeah, it's a very good question, actually. Um, I think that basically we need to assume that things are going to change. Probably not so much on the principal side because, yes, we change the way in which we call things, but we keep doing or following many of the same principles. But then the specific tools or the specific processes will change in a way, right? So I think that whatever is built, it's not that it needs to be built to last necessarily, but rather it needs to be flexible enough so that when it has to, it will change, right? That can be it being modular, that can be it being well-documented, it can be it being understood by different teams, um, whatever it means, right? It needs to be, I think that good, good software generally is that software that can be changed easily. Um, and that also applies in this case to to the specific DevOps implementation that would be in place, right? Mm. And then there's, there's also um, a balance between, uh, I think that we were also covering it before, right? Between standardizing everything, following the same processes everywhere, and allowing someone else to come up with a new idea, a new process, and run it with that themselves, right? So I think that there needs to be some space for that, because again, maybe it's one team that initially says like, okay, I'm not going to follow the current golden path that we have, because there's this new other thing, new other tech or new other way of working uh, that is done in this other way. So I'm just going to try that, right? And then maybe if that works, again, if people see that that makes their life easier, it can expand from there through a central team or in, in a different way, right? Um, so that's that's another area. And then I think that there's an aspect of like um, picking the right uh, tools, not, not only the tools, also the processes, right? But looking at what is out there, what other people are doing, and finding also depending on the size of the company, what is the process or what is the technology that you want to use? Maybe if you are a startup, if you're a smaller company, you want to go with something uh, which is a novelty, which is super new because you want to experiment with that. Because if it doesn't work, the cost of going to something else is not that big. 
But if you are a well-established company, a mid-sized to big company, and you are changing your strategy to follow a particular way of working or to use a specific cloud or whatever it is, then you really need to make sure that that is well supported, that there is a community around it, that that it has some lifetime in front of it, basically while you are still going to, to be using that because you can't change it so easily, right? Um, that's what comes to mind. Of that one, lost over to you. Yeah, I think I want to go back to the beginning um, and the whole talk about what is DevOps um, and, and then why we're doing it. And I also think that's the key to, to, to sustaining it, if we should sustain it, is to look at, at, at yeah, what, what's the whole purpose. Um, and we talked about that, that we wanted to, to have more like a team effort around it, the whole community thing that we're together, um, and also the learning thing. And then also, like we said in the beginning, if you do those two things, if you make sure from a leadership point of view at least, that that people is I mean that you force that that you force people to talk together and work together, um, and also make sure that they can learn and experiment. Then the rest is a given, and then it can change and maybe it morphs into something else. But then let it because that was the whole point. And that's also what I love about at least the early days DevOps discussion is that it's not like we have each a DevOps so we're doing DevOps, but more like the talk about the the whole point is that we can deli- de- uh, deliver better software faster, or at least just one of them. Um, and I think that's the whole, whole point. Make sure it's a culture thing for the company. We work together and, and we learn. A few nodding heads there. Kristen, uh, have you got anything to add to your own question? Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, a shout out to Microsoft and, and thanks for making my life so much harder. Yes. A few conversations when I asked clients, so are you doing any sort of jobs? Yep, absolutely. Okay, what are you doing? Well, we use the product. Yeah, and, uh, but yeah. So to to answer my own questions, the the way that I, I like Laos come back to the kind of definition. So if I'm gonna try to ensure that something is sustainable long term, I need to make sure that I'm still fostering the environment that is needed for collaboration. And I can do that in a few ways. I can find a way to measure collaboration in a source by taking a look at different projects and are we getting contributions from the different dev teams? Are people talking internally? Are they showing up to the tour forums and et cetera, et cetera, and making sure that if they're not, how can we, from an organizational standpoint, make sure that that culture is kept alive? And, and it is about culture, absolutely. It's not just about implementing new tools and processes. We can do that all day. And, 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 and to a point, you're absolutely right, guys, that if, the, if there are new things coming in, we, we should be fearless about trying them out because uh, if we don't try them out, we're not, never going to learn. Um, making sure that everyone understands to prioritize automation, for example, making sure, coming back to the training, making sure that you have a, uh, a training for or, or training platform that you can use or making sure that New developers understand that if you need training on on, a, on the tools that you have as an organization, that we get that. Um, having empathetic managers, as Juan pointed out, I think, uh, regarding uh, that they understand you're here to actually fail, and we have a safe environment to do that, and please go out and fail as much as you can. Just make sure that you get it right before it goes into production. Um, and, and then, of course, just the, the central thing of, of continuously monitoring and improving. So making sure that you're going, because if we take a look at how our demo has been 
done with the infinity sign, it is infinity, and you need to continuously monitor, and need to continuously improve. And one other aspect I'd add on that is that if you can find a good way to extract, let's just say, the Dora metrics on an organizational level, and then measure them throughout the teams, and then trying to pick out the outlier teams that are either doing better than the average or lower than the average, then you can then you can first take the, the teams that are above the average and say, well, what are you doing differently to this team because you're both doing uh, microservices in C sharp, for example. Then you can take the learnings from that and say, well, do you mind mentoring them a little or, or giving them an inspirational talk? And for the outliers that are in the back, then you can start to think about, well, what kind of solution is it that, that is behind? Is that lack of leadership? Is that lack of uh, tooling? Or is it just a legacy solution that's hard to fit into DevOps? So making sure that you take these metrics to the organization and, and translate them into management talk. Making sure that managers understand what these metrics are and why they are important. And then that's where people like me and my colleagues and, and Laoshir come into this and where we go to these companies here and get them to understand because most of us speak fluent management anyhow, uh, where we can go to these companies and, and talk to them and, and get them to understand how this fits into looking at it from organizational perspective. And when you do that, then you have a sustainable implementation. Fantastic. There you go, guys. Kristen, thank you for another great question and all three of you for a fantastic answer. Juan, we did have another question for yourself, uh, the what makes a good DevOps engineer and platform engineer. And of course, just, uh, I did want to get to Paul's question in the comments as well, one of your colleagues, work colleagues. Um, so what I'll make sure everyone listening is that we get Juan's next question ans answered by the guys and I'll post it in the comments so you can find it below. Um, but let's have a look at Paul's question. I'll just highlight it on the screen now. Um, he's looking at what would be the approach you would take in order to push such changes onto a team and perhaps what would be the desirable process from your point of view? Who would like to go first with this one? Let's I think take, uh, <laughs> I think we have covered a bit of this, right? This this whole idea of like pushing responsibility or shifting responsibility left. They say they're like you build it, you own it, but also uh, enabling those teams, providing them with a way of making their life easier, providing the right instructions, the right building blocks, something that is useful for them and that they can see the value of, right? Because if this comes from a company initiative or from an initiative in the central DevOps team that is like, now you need to do this and you are not able to answer to the why or to the how does that improve what we already have, it is only natural that you will find some rejection. Again, if, again, if you are putting some extra cognitive load, some extra responsibility onto a team without taking anything out of them or without showing them why they should also do that, then... That is not uh, that is not going to be very well received. I think that that's just natural. Um, and then uh, it is true that there is always some difference between different teams. So some teams will be more willing to try new things, more eager to jump onto this, whereas some other teams might show some uh, some rejection because they just like what they are doing at this point and they um, they don't see the value in changing. Right. So that process can can be very different depending on who is the person interacting here. Um, there's also uh, another point of view. What do you do if you're in a team and you would like to do DevOps? Uh, or maybe you have a team that likes to do DevOps and a company that doesn't do it. And again, we're back to do it, especially what Christian said earlier. Start doing it, start showcasing it. Of course, you can do the whole thing, 
But when you're stuck with something, and instead of just waiting for ops, go or talk to them, figure it out, do it, start automating stuff, and then you would start to perform better. Uh, and and people, and then other teams would be inspired. The leaders would be like, "Hey, what happened here?" And then you would automatically see it grows, a uh, growth. Absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, if, if you want to push these changes to teams, I would say inspire. Uh, if you, if you, if you, as someone that want to push, wants to push this to a team, make sure that you have it crystal clear within yourself why you want to do these. And when you have that, and I, Simon Sinek says it quite the best, when you answer this how question, then you can be in a position to inspire. And we need to remember that uh, all developers are hired by managers at some point. And the reason you allow yourself to be, be hired by managers is that you inspire to be something within his team. So if your manager is inspired for something, you obviously will have a reflection of that within your team. If not, then uh, have that conversation with the team and saying, well, why is there such pushback? And then you can try to figure out different solutions. Don't you need to be a fully autonomous team within a DevOps organization? Perhaps. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that's the best practice, but that's a different thing. So I think Inspire would be the uh, correct way. If not, then uh, just reach out and, uh, and I'll have a talk with them. Love that. And Paul, I hope we get answered your questions there, my friend. Um, I think for, from that standpoint, uh, we'll make sure once another question gets answered, uh, I suppose, off, off air uh, and get that to everyone. But I just want to take this opportunity uh, to thank each of you individually, Lars, Kristen and Juan, Juan especially doing it from his hotel room um, whilst he's going to a conference this week. So I really do appreciate you uh, getting that sorted, mate. And not only for fantastic questions, but it's incredible insight. Uh, and yeah. Thank you so much for listening as well. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. If you'd like to get involved with one of the upcoming podcasts, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. You can do so via email as well at sam.williamson at evolution-nordics.com. But for now, that's been us. Thank you, guys. We'll see you soon.